Hey guys, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors. Afflictor Broadheads has let us in on some exciting news. Their hybrid mini broadheads are finally back in stock. They're on AfflictorBroadheads.com right now. You should rush over there right now. Go check them out. The newly designed K2 Mini and Hybrid X Mini feature a patented non-shearing drive key to deploy the blades without losing any kinetic energy. They also feature a newly designed blade angle for better edge retention and superior penetration. On top of all that, the Mini line features the new Sex Bolt system for a more precise fit and added durability. These broadheads are a favorite of afflictor shooters, so you don't want to wait too long to get some for yourself. Personally, I'm going to rush over there right after I'm done recording this and pick up a pack myself. Learn more at afflictorbroadheads.com. You're listening to Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates. I am flying solo today because the other two are on their way to Nebraska to hunt mule deer and white-tailed deer. So, Chris and Josh, as you're listening to this, because I know you're going to be out and about driving around uh, when this thing drops, good luck to you. I hope that everyone, uh, John Robertson, Matt Amrine, Chris, and Josh, I hope you all have luck. I hope you all you know, smack a deer and you all come home heavy because it's a big trip out of state and it's a big chance for, you know, you guys to get one real early. So I'm pulling for you and I know everyone else who's listening to this is as well. So, uh, with being solo again today, I, I figured I kind of cover something that has been in the news a little bit lately. And most of you who listen to this podcast probably already know what it is. However, it's something that kind of pops up every year. And people kind of poo-poo on it uh, until it happens to a deer that they're hunting or to a, a buddy's deer or something like that. And what that is is EHD. Now, a common misconception is that EHD is CWD. They are two completely different viruses. One, diseases, sorry, diseases. Um CWD is chronic wasting disease, which is a prion-based disease and, uh, you know, is, is very similar to uh, what is described as Crutzfeld-Jakob's disease or, or a mad cow disease. And there's, uh, tra- there's, un- there's an unsure amount of information of if it's transmissible to humans or things like that. So that's why where you have CWD zones, you have to have your deer tested. Uh, they test the lymph nodes, make sure that... Uh, you can't get it from the deer. They're trying to make sure they can contain it to certain areas so that way it doesn't enter the human population, you know, fingers crossed. The other part of that is uh, you also, um, CWD can lay kind of in weight in uh, the soil and things like that for multiples, multiple years, and that's uh, ultimately one of the concerns as to why they, they try to clear an area out of all the deer uh, when CWD is detected in an area. And for the most part, uh, where I'm podcasting from, Kentucky, every state around Kentucky has it, except I believe Indiana. And 
We recently have uh, a marked CWD zone in Kentucky down in the southwestern corner because a deer with uh, CWD was found in Tennessee, shot and killed in Tennessee last year, so uh, within eight miles of the border, so they're taking it pretty seriously. So EHD, however, is is something completely different. It is epizootic hemorrhagic disease. And you're probably like, well, what, what exactly is epizootic hemorrhagic disease? Well, EHD, uh, or epizootic hemorrhagic disease, is a uh, virus that is, it's a viral disease in white-tailed deer that is transmitted by biting midges. So if you, if you spend any time in the woods, you would uh, probably call them noceums or punkies. These are those little, little, little tiny midges uh, that, you know, bite you and they don't feel good and uh, they, they tend to hang out around water holes and, uh, you know, places that you would hunt early season deer. Uh, unfortunately, that's where the deer go to get their water as well and get bit by these midges. Now, the disease is not spread directly from deer to deer like CWD, and humans cannot be infected by contact with deer or bites from the midges. So it is not a disease that humans can catch, but deer definitely do catch it. The problem with this is, and uh, you know, the reason I want to talk about this today is in western um, Cincinnati, we have had somewhat of an outbreak of this. So you may look in the news and you see people talking about zombie deer like deer kind of wandering around not knowing where they're at they look like they're you know punch drunk or you know not clearly sober and they're just kind of like wandering in odd places you know big bucks next to the middle of the road next to the road in the middle of the day and you know just kind of wandering around aimlessly so this you know as of you know the 25th of august at least 12 Ohio counties are confirmed to have been infected with EHD. And Southwest Ohio is seeing an increased number of reports as the summer rolls on. So what what this tends to do is, you know, EHD rolls through herds. This is this is not an uncommon thing. And realistically, there's there's a couple factors that happen. And every area kind of gets this, you know, every four to five years. And the deer populations always bounce back. However, a lot of guys who may be in some of these areas are kind of watching their trail cams and then all of a sudden start noticing their bucks aren't showing up or their real big bucks aren't showing up at, uh, you know, the normal areas where they would have their cameras. And all of a sudden you hear of a big buck dying or being found dead near water or a big buck being having to be shot by a police officer. That actually happened, I believe, Friday over here. Uh, last week where a real nice buck was acting really weird next to the road. I think someone called it in because he thought, I want to say that the person thought that they had rabies or something like that, but don't quote me on that. And uh, a police officer, a DNR officer, had to come, you know, dispatch the animal, and it was very clearly had EHD. So the the bad part about this is is that, we're not even in like the peak of <laughs> EHD time, but we're we're seeing multiple cases of it. So what what ends up happening is this happens a lot in drought years, and 
Well, EHD occurs every year. In drought years, it gets worse because, you guessed it, the water is less, which means that these deer are congregating in areas around, you know, lower water <clears throat> areas, which means they're trying to all kind of go to the same areas. And if these noceums or midges are there and they bite, you know, the area and it gets into the, the deer system, you know, that they are, you know, getting infected. Now, the question is like, well, why, why does this happen with, with big bucks? Well, Simply put, big bucks have big antlers, and big antlers are in velvet for a good portion of the time. And when a midge bites that, it gets directly into their bloodstream because a velvet deer is, you know, still has cycling blood through their antler growth. So it gets into their system a lot quicker. And that's why you don't see it simply as much with does, not to say that it doesn't happen, but the bigger numbers of this happen with bucks. And namely bigger bucks because they've got more antler area for those things to bite. The part about Ohio is is that it's kind of been the southwest area has at least been a hotbed for uh, EHD cases recently, and it, it's it's kind of new, um, but it's not. So the areas that you're seeing now, when you see these massive kind of you know amounts of zombie deer walking around is simply because they've not had uh, a buildup to the virus. You know, there's a few years back in eastern Kentucky got hit really, really bad to the point like when you were driving through the through areas, you could smell dead and rotting deer because so many of them had had, had died. You know, the deer build up an immunity to this stuff over time and it, it kind of passes from generation to generation. This is also to say that a deer can survive EHD. Uh, you may notice that they like they have like weird things with their hooves or they're just kind of you know a little off looking sometimes deer survive EHD and go on and you know are perfectly fine they live you know happy normal lives up until someone sends a bullet or an arrow through them however uh, when these deer show up in suburbia and people kind of get weirded out by them the bulk of them get dispatched by uh, game wardens and things like that. They have no fear of humans, which uh, freaks a lot of people out, and they get pretty comfortable there. The, this isn't like the deer that come in that you see at, at your, I don't know, your your local suburban neighborhood where you know they're coming in and they're bedding in your background, you know, your backyard. These are these are coming up and like laying next to houses and uh, things of that matter. The way you can tell uh, some of the symptoms of EHD are the deer will have pronounced swelling of its neck and head, its tongue and its eyelid, eyelids, as well as kind of patchy spots on the fur. And, you know, in, in, in uh, southwestern Ohio, you have Cincinnati, which has a ton of areas surrounding it, but there's also a lot of wooded area. Suburban area with woods and, and things like that. So most of these deer, you know, if they're in, in a locale where there's very little water, you're going to start seeing this stuff. The problem with this is, is that this stuff doesn't stop until the first frost of the year. So as I'm recording this, it's August. You know, first frost of the year probably isn't going to be until, you know, late October. I, I'm hoping earlier. I, I think everybody hopes earlier because when that cold snap happens, man, you want to be out in the woods when those cold fronts 
push through and those deer are going to be up and moving uh, finally a, a little bit more if you haven't already tagged out because September is our is right around the corner and we'll talk about that here in a second. But realistically, it, it, it's honestly too early to tell, at least in Ohio, if it's going to have a major impact on the hunting season. It could. It absolutely could. I'm hopeful that it won't, though. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham lightweight hunting pants and the midweight Shelton hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid, and I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. So what 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 do you do if if you if you find a deer who has um ehd or you you have that thought um first thing is if you go to your dnr's website more than likely you can type in ehd and you can report your observations online they really want to do that they want to know so they can kind of track this stuff in the areas to make sure that they you know know that uh if they're going to have a mass kill off in an area, they can understand it and adjust numbers and, and things of that nature. It's one of the most common diseases in white-tailed deer, so it's nothing to freak out about. Um, like I said, the DNR has, at least ODNR, I should say that, Ohio Department of Natural Resources has a website with general information about EHD, where you're going to find dead deer, uh, how you're going to notice the symptoms, you know, lets you know that there's no treatment for EHD in wild populations, but also, you know, how it's transmitted. Where They have a full map of where they are locating this stuff. So if you have, let's say you're an out-of-state hunter and you're coming to Ohio, which apparently a lot of people are this year, you can go online, you can see where, where EHD outbreaks have been and the numbers reported of sick or dead deer and base your information off of that. Now, <clears throat> certainly in in some of these areas when you look at the maps um you know if you how do I want to say this if if you see them or find them in those areas sometimes you know they'll show you they believe they show you the area where it's at so it also shows you if it's in like an area where you may be deciding to go hunt public land or if your lease is there or something like that so 
what 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 does this all mean? You know, like I said, it can't transmit to humans. However, the thing that is kind of associated with this is you you don't necessarily want to be eating the meat. You can take your risks with it, but you know, as as DNR state, you need to be cautious uh, if you're going to kill a sick deer. Um, depending on the actual illness, the deer may not be unfit for consu- consumption. And without testing, they can't be certain what the sick deer is suffering from. So if you're going to kill a deer and it's acting goofy, make sure you get it tested before you eat that meat. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm the better play it safe than sorry. I don't know about some other people who listen to this podcast, but certainly if I found a deer with, you know, a swollen neck, eyelids, and tongue, I'd be, you know, and it's breathing awfully weird. I'm probably not going to be, you know, eating that deer. The, you know... The, the the last thing I'll say on this is that the the virus deteriorates in fewer than 24 hours after the deer is dead, so it can't spread from carcass to carcass. I know that that is a worry that some people have, is that it's going to spread around, and it, it, it just simply doesn't do that. This is simply spread by midges. So recently we've been seeing, um, you know, we, we had a conversation the other day, uh, Tyler Westell, who, who is on this podcast and who's part of the Fueled team, he he's been hearing of deer, uh, you know, dying and getting sent pictures, and they're floating in water. That's the that that is a very key sign. Is that when you start seeing deer dying near water, that means that they're feverish, and it, it's not because they got hit by a car. It's you know nine times out of ten, it's EHD. And if you were to go get that deer tested, that's probably what it's going to end up with. Now, the other part of it is, is if you do find a dead deer next to water. I would still call DNR, get it tested to make sure that there's not CWD in the area. Because if there's CWD in the area, well, that's a whole different kettle of fish, and you know that that's that that could cause some cause some serious problems with your deer herd. Depending upon who you who you uh, prescribe to with with regards to information surrounding that stuff. So as as we get into deer season, it's important to be mindful of these things as you're going into the year. If you for some reason aren't seeing a deer that you were seeing a whole lot of, it doesn't mean that the deer has EHD and went off somewhere and died. Remember, deer patterns change. However, it's smart to be and stay on top of these things as, you know, new information emerges that, that you've been getting. If you start hearing about your neighbors, you know, deer starting to die or if for some reason you're looking through stuff and stuff just doesn't seem right with some of the animals you're seeing on camera you know it, it may be helpful for you just to kind of keep an eye on on your deer herd and you know what's going on with regards to that stuff now i do want to say this too because this there's a common misconception here as well ehd is also not blue tongue um it is very similar and you're probably like, well, it's blue tongue. Blue tongue is a well-known disease in domestic sheep, cattle, goats, um, and it can affect deer. It is not chronic wasting disease, and it is not EHD. But it does kill deer just like EHD does. So it's important to you know be mindful of all these different diseases. They do cycle through deer populations, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be an absolute collapse of the deer you're hunting. I know... There's an area that I hunt in Ohio, and about four or five years ago, we had a really bad 
level of EHD go through there. And the deer were sparse that fall, and we didn't see a whole lot of animals. However, the next year, it bounced back pretty darn well. So it, it it's also kind of Mother Nature's way of resetting the cycle, if you will, and, and letting, you know, nature take its course, you know, if, if you if you're so inclined to think. So if you need more information regarding it, all you gotta do is go to Google, type in EHD, and it brings up almost every <laughs> um, DNR or Department of Fish and Wildlife site across the United States. I'm actually looking at Wyoming's right now. And, uh, you know, Kentucky has pages, Ohio. Uh, there's news articles all over the place. But it's important to make sure that you know your diseases and how they're affecting your deer herds when you're going out and you're hunting these things. Because you're the one who's put in all the work all season to make sure that, like we talked about last week, that the perfect season is on its way. And you've just got to be thinking about how it's affecting everything around you because it is part of the ecosystem and these deer are something that we chase every fall until through the winter and we want to make sure that they're still there so that being said in closing make sure make sure if you're friends with your uh, neighbor and or you know landowners next door or whatever it's okay to be collegial and say hey dude uh, you seen any deer uh, die off or if they come to you and say hey are you seeing any dead deer on your property I think I found one in my lake be honest with it you know, be be clear about that kind of stuff and it, it, it's it's okay to share that type of information you know if you got a 200 inch deer on your property that you've been watching all year and all of a sudden he goes missing I think you want your neighbor to know I, th I think you would want your neighbor to come over to you and say, hey, dude, I found a massive deer dead in my water versus you waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting all season for something like that to happen. So be collegial, be a good sportsman and be out there and do your best this season. I know that we've made it this far. Tennessee Open this weekend. Congrats to Jacob Emery for smoking a beautiful velvet deer i hope to do the same thing this weekend on saturday kentucky opens and i know a lot of people are going to be coming to the bluegrass state be safe look out for each other in the woods it's important because we're all sportsmen and women out there and we all want everybody to be successful and we want everybody to go out and enjoy the woods just like we do each and every time as always, if you have the ability to get somebody out in the woods this year, please go ahead and do it. Squirrel is in Kentucky, and if you are a squirrel hunter, hey, um, be aware. There's going to be a lot of deer hunters in the woods this weekend, so you may uh, want to take a break or avoid areas where you know that guys are going to be sitting in stands because parking lots are going to be full, and that's just the way that these early season hunts go. So there's one other thing I want to touch on. And this is kind of an important one because I feel like that this is something that for some of us, we might not always put into perspective. Remember with these hunts, you are, if you're, if you have a family uh, or if you have obligations or that kind of stuff, make sure that you're spending time with family, make sure that you're taking care of your obligations because it's important 
to spend time with family so you can go pursue things that you want to go pursue and allow them to pursue things that they want to pursue. So with that, I've been your host, Rick Cates. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. Guys, I will see you next time.